You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. One day, randomly, you know, all, on my Instagram, I followed all metal guys, and one of these guys was Mark Holcomb of Periphery. I commented on his his stuff, and then one day he commented back, and I was like, <gasps> holy shit, you know, like... It, I, I had so long put all these metal musicians on a pedestal and I was like, oh, cool. You know, I just sent a DM and I said, yo, next time you're in town, I would love to, you know, cater you guys on me. Yeah, that just kind of steamrolled into me keeping track of all the other bands coming into town. And I just started offering catering, you know, just as like kind of like my token of appreciation. And typically I was rewarded with, uh, you know, a backstage pass and I got to meet the band and hang out. And sometimes, you know, I would say, hey, listen, come to the restaurant before your show if you have time. And some of them did. So that's, yeah, that's kind of how it started. I just decided one day I'm going to start going to shows again. And then I just got the idea to start catering bands. And that's how I kind of befriended everybody. Hey, what's up, Vox and Hops heads? I'm Matt, the vocalist of Cryptopsy and the host of the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast, brought to you by Sound Talent Media, where I sit down with fellow metal musicians to talk about their lives, music, and craft beer. I hope you guys had a great weekend. I most certainly did. I took the time to slow down a little bit, to enjoy life a little bit more, hanging out with my family, just really, really trying to uh, cherish each moment. Uh, sometimes we let things go by too quickly, and uh, I personally am trying to cherish these moments, and I strongly suggest that you do the same. Before we jump into today's episode, I would just like to ask you to follow the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast on the podcast platform of your choice. But more than that, I'm also asking you to rate it and write a review, because when you do that, you could be the person that sways someone's decision to become a new Vox and Hops head. When people are looking for a new podcast to listen to, what do they do? They scroll down, they read the reviews. If the reviews are favorable and uh, reflect their values, then they will most likely give that podcast a chance. So if you take the time to write a review for the Vox and Hospital podcast, I would be extremely, extremely grateful for that. Now, on today's episode, I'm with Chef Brian Sow, who plays guitar in a killer band called Lost Becomes. They have just launched a new track today called Moments. Uh, when I finished my conversation with Brian, I asked him how he would feel about me playing that track in the intro of his episode and he said let's do it so get ready everyone this is moments from lost becomes
was good. So damn good. Tasty riffs. I love the rhythmical chug, the energy. I'm all about this track. Moments. Great track. It also has a very, very poignant meaning behind it. You should go check out the video. It reflects more upon that. Now, let's jump into my episode with Chef Brian Sow, the guitarist of Lost Becomes, and one of the world's most metal chefs. Get ready, everyone. This is Vox and Hops episode number 261. I warn you, what you are about to hear is very disturbing indeed. Hey, what's up, everyone? Today I'm with Chef Brian Sow. He plays guitar for Lost Becomes. He has a YouTube channel called I Try So You Don't Have To. Uh, he used to uh, host and still does host Taste of Metal from Metal Ejection. Uh, he is a very famous cook, and he's a metalhead. I had to have him on the podcast. How are you doing, Brian? I am doing great. Thank you so much for having me. I am really looking forward to this one because it has been a long time since I've had a really good beer. And I made sure to get some really good beers today. Excellent. Let's let's start right off with that. Yeah. Uh, tell me about your, your very first beer, Brian. Oh, man. <laughs> I remember it clear as, clear as day. My first beer, I was like uh, 15 years old. I was in middle school. I was still living in the States at the time. And, uh, you know, we, we were being bad, you know. So we went to some, <laughs> we went to a store, a deli, bodega, whatever you call it, that we knew would sell to underage kids. We bought Corona beers and Heineken beers. And, uh, you know, Corona was the beer you had to have. That was the good <laughs> stuff. And, uh, yeah, I drink it out of nostalgia these days. But, uh, you know, I remember taking that sip and just being completely fucking revolted I, it was just the most <laughs> disgusting thing i'd ever tasted and i i pretended to drink it the entire day so i would like bring the beer to my lips and not actually drink it i just wanted to look cool that was my first beer memory it was disgusting <laughs> as your palate evolved uh, where, where did where did craft beer come into your life uh you know uh, there are two very specific moments, and I think one of those moments isn't necessarily craft beer, but it opened up my eyes to what beer can be. So that memory being when I lived in Beijing, China. So when I was 15 years old, uh, my parents sent me to an exchange program in Beijing, China, and uh, I went to an international school, and close by this international school was um, uh, a Lufthansa uh, hotel, and in this Lufthansa hotel, they had a Paulana restaurant. And I was just intrigued because living in, in, you know, Queens, New York, there weren't really German restaurants. And I just, you know, looking in and kind of seeing that beer garden aesthetic and just it was just as German as it gets. Right. And I was just very enticed by that and very curious. And I went in and I just at that time I had been drinking beer semi regularly at that point. Um and I ordered a Paulaner, and it was just this completely different depth of textures and flavors and aromas that the Corona clearly didn't have. <laughs> um, so that really, and you know, that's like a common beer in Germany, right? That's almost like oh, yeah. their Budweiser almost. But for me, that was just so many levels above what I was accustomed to at that point. So that was one memory. The other memory being when I went to culinary school uh, when I was in my early 20s. And uh, there, uh, so the culinary school I went to is in Hyde Park, New York, which is, you know, kind of upstate. Um, 
in between New York City and Albany. It's like right in the middle of the state. Uh, beautiful college town, and it's a culinary school. You know, it's one of the best culinary schools in the country. Uh, and they had this, there was this amazing beer store um, not too far away. And, and I was one of the guys that was over 21 that was able to, you know, go regularly. So I'd pick up beer for a bunch of my classmates because a lot of them were younger than me. And uh, I just remember seeing, this is my first memory of just seeing this massive, massive selection of beers where you can get, you know, fresh poured stuff from the tap into growlers. You can get, uh, there was just an endless amount of um, bottled beer from all over the world. And I remember the one beer that I went back to regularly was some banana beer. Uh, <laughs> of course, something fruity and, you know, but it was just, again, it was just another time where I was like, wow, you know, you, there's a lot more depth and, and really, um, there's a lot of artistry that comes with beer. Absolutely, but a banana, it's, you know, going from that Paul Lander to a banana beer, it's it's almost sort of the same. No, it's the same world because a Paul Lander definitely has is a Hefenweizen that has yes. a lot of those like clovey and banana feel to it, too, which comes from the the Belgian yeast there. Yeah, a lot of uh, yeah, it, it has. Uh, I guess I gravitated towards that, and I, I'm I think you can kind of see a theme here of the type of beer I tend to gravitate towards. Um, but that particular beer, you know, it had a very similar texture. And there's something about that texture of beer I really enjoy. It's very heavy, unfortunately, so you can't drink too much of it. Or at least I can't. I can't handle that much of it. But it's definitely my go-to, you know, something like a hyphen bicycle. Exactly, which is where we're going right now. Vox and Hops is all about hanging out with my metal friends, talking about their lives, music, and craft beer. So what, what beer are we going to virtually share on your side there? Brian? Okay, well... So I went into the beer store only <laughs> intending to get two beers. I literally said to the lady, I want one easy drinking because my, you know, I like easy drinking beer, something that you can sip on all day and have many of. And then I asked for something a little heavier. Um, and then I went in there and I walked out with four beers. It's <laughs> a good, good sales lady. Yes. Very good sales lady. <laughs> and I'm a sucker for customer service. You know, if I went into a department store and customer service was like, yes, buy this uh, T-shirt and you know what? Buy some crack cocaine. And they gave me <laughs> amazing customer service. I would buy the crack cocaine because I respect customer service so much. And this particular place, and I'm going to shout it out, Astoria Beer and Cheese in Astoria, Queens. Fantastic customer service. Uh, the food, the, the, the place smelled phenomenal because they serve food there. I had it. I didn't try it. I didn't have time. I uh, ran away from my daughter's dance class to pick up some beer for this episode, but I highly recommend it. Amazing customer service. Um, yeah, so I'm going to start with this blood orange wheat. We're continuing on this fruity theme here. This is a lager. This is not a hyphen bison, but I'm I'm in the mood for something refreshing. I, I spent a lot of time outdoors today, and I would like something nice and bright. Wonderful! It is warming up where we're, we can go outside. Yes. It is nice being in Montreal. It was you know we we had a very nice winter. We were very lucky, but it's it's nice to have the sun up past four p.m. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, and to spend the afternoons out, especially with young kids. Yeah. Yeah. 
So you crack that. Yeah, I got something wild for you. Uh, I, you know, it's the closest thing to food and metal that I could find. This is a pub brewski, uh, one of Montreal's uh, most hyped up breweries. And they teamed up with an even more hyped up brewery, Masorum Brassatorium, uh, from Montreal as well. And this was for their anniversary a few weeks ago. Uh, this is their last wish. Now, this is a wild brew. This is a, a cheesecake sour. Clocks in at 10%. It's got strawberries, raspberries blackberries cherries oreos uh, cream cheese vanilla and it says lactose but i had the guys on the podcast and they told me that they had printed the cans and finally there's no lactose in this beer wow that sounds incredible and i am not into sour beers personally but i would love to try that that sounds amazing <laughs> this is wild they're they're both insane breweries up here just killing it i'm gonna crack this yes uh, Let's let's crack this pour it out and then we'll do a, a proper cheers. It smells amazing. I can smell it. It looks beer. amazing. That <laughs> color is awesome. Cheers. All right, cheers, cheers. Ooh, you got the the raspberries on the nose. Oh, this is great. This is exactly what I was looking for. Ooh, it's sweet. Yeah, it's got like a crazy fruity tang. All those fruits come in the. the creaminess of the the, the, cream <laughs> the cheese. cheesecake, <laughs> cream cheese, <laughs> the Oreos. It's 10%, but you, you would never know. It's killer. Oh, I was about to ask, yeah, does the alcohol really come mm-mm, forward? Mm-mm. Killer, you killer. Be, you have to be careful of those beers then. <laughs> They're sippers as yeah. much as uh, you feel like you should just make it go away. Yeah. Uh, let's dance into <laughs> the soundtrack of your youth. When you were growing up in your parents' or guardian's house, what music was playing when you were not in control of the radio? What music did your parents or guardians listen to? Uh, oh, that's an easy one to answer. I remember it so well is, uh, my mom loved the Beatles. Mm -hmm. She was a huge Beatles fan. And, uh, I remember we were driving in the car, uh, we were going somewhere and I just asked her straight up, like, who's this on the radio? I really like this. You know, it's just all those super classic Beatles tunes, you know, Hey Jude and, um, you know, eight days a week and, um, hard days night, all that type of stuff. I just absolutely fell in love with that music and that was my first memory of that was in fact my first memory of music as well wow uh, and honestly on the podcast i'm pretty sure that the beatles get mentioned more than anything else i i get that the beatles kiss top two for sure for sure for oh sure. yeah, yeah. I mean, take me to uh, your first live music experience do you remember the first show you went to go see uh a couple of they like kind of blur together a little bit um you know for me it's one of two shows uh i'll, I'll go with this one like more obscure show um which is i was came back from china i was living in china already i, I didn't go to my first show until i was like 16 17 something like that and it was for a like noise noise rock slash ska slash you know what i mean it was just like it was a lot of ska i remember that and there was this one band that like blew my little fucking mind apart it was called the world inferno friendship society they have a huge following here in new york i know that for a fact i could be wrong i think they may be still be together because i don't remember where but i was either listening to a podcast or some obscure freaking youtube video and someone mentioned them and i was kind of blown away like oh so i'll tell you what when this band it was like a 70 piece band just one of those crazy <laughs> huge ska bands at the end of the night each guy must have taken home like 50 cents 
by the time they split. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the merch money and all that stuff. I, I have no idea. It was just so many members in that band. But man, did they put on a show. And uh, I've always been a ska fan, you know, like the like the second wave of ska, that super kind of uh, poppy type of ska. I'm huge into that. Love that stuff. And this band, like, it was just that to the umpteenth degree, if if not a bit more indie rockish. Um, but there were just so many members of the band, uh, just big, loud, freaking, you know, big, loud fr- music, amazing showmanship. And I just remember my eyes being glued to them, you know, almost the entire show. It was, it was pretty wild. I almost think like ska bands are like bands that can't say no to their friends. They're like, yeah, you can be in the band. <laughs> <laughs> You know, versus metal, it's like, no, we got a guitarist. You're done. Right, no, right. No, right. maybe another time. Yeah. But ska bands are like, come on, let's do it. <laughs> you know, I remember, I remember this band coming on stage, and I was like, what the fuck is this? I just, you know, uh, and at that time, I was very young. I, you know, my my mind was like a sponge. I didn't really form my preferences yet. Um, so I was just. But I just remember distinctly watching them come onto stage and like, what the hell is this? They even had the guy with the huge, round like tuba thing. Insane. Is that what it's called? Like yeah, yeah, 100%, the gigantic yeah, yeah. one that like <laughs> they always look like they're barely hanging on to it. They even had that dude. I mean, it was yeah, unbelievable. unbelievable. <laughs> yeah. How about your last show before everything got shut down? Do you remember that one? You know, I have such a hard time remembering which shows I've gone to. Like, there's a, been a few times where someone will talk about a show and I'll be like. Oh, I really wish I was there. And my buddy will look at me like, you were there with me. <laughs> you know, sorry. Um, <laughs> I mean, the last show I can remember going to, but I, I know it, it'll probably come to me exactly what was my last show will, will come to me at some point. But one of the last shows that I went to was Cannibal Corpse, uh, Morbid Angel. Shit, there was someone else that played. Uh, and I just can't remember at the moment but i i've i basically haven't missed a cannibal show since for the last like four years five years mm. every i've been to every single one that they've played in New York. which explains why george was wearing your, not, <laughs> your typical chef shirt when i talked to him <laughs> <laughs> so you noticed huh <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> which is actually how we set this up because i went through a comment thing and i was like i'm gonna reach out to this guy now <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome man i'm glad you did I, i'm glad you did i've been you know i've been following this show and i i just uh yeah i mean you're you're very welcome dude and i love the premise you know drink beer and shoot the shit exactly uh, let's talk about cooking what came first was it was it cooking or was it metal what was what was your first love the guitar or the 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 kitchen well i guess uh that's a little hard to answer but i'm gonna say i'm gonna stick with uh music and guitar first now uh i uh, while th- i'm using that as my answer the reality is i've been cooking since i was like five years old hmm. um completely by chance you know my parents weren't home a lot they were working a lot and uh i just remember watching julia child you know the french chef hell yeah and just being glued to her it was so fucking boring you know when you like (laughs) look at it objectively but she's just so hypnotizing and so into what she's doing and um, you know, her voice is just so interesting and it, it really draws you in, you know, and she, you can tell she clearly and en- she's enjoying what she's doing. Uh, she and and she uh, knows what she's doing. So she's enjoying it and she knows what she's doing. And I remember her 
making some bread. And I clearly remember her putting a mountain of flour and making a well and adding in the water. And I did that when I was five years old. And I put that shit in the oven and baked it and ate it. And my parents were shocked. I didn't burn down the fucking house. (laughs) Now, being a professionally trained chef all these years later, I thought back to that. I was like, wait, how the fuck is that possible? You know, how did I make this leavened bread? Because, you know, I you need yeast. And I know this is an Asian house. We don't have no fucking yeast. You know what I mean? So I just couldn't figure it out. I was like, did I make that shit up? Like, have I been telling this lie all these years? <laughs> and I realized one day when I was walking through <laughs> the uh, supermarket, what I had used was Aunt Jemima's self-rising flour. Uh. And that is how the bread leavened and was so soft. I just kind of figured it out by accident. I was like, oh, shit, that's what I use. That has to, because I remember the packages from my from my youth and just self-rising. That was, that kind of unlocked it. But yeah, I mean, for me, guitar and heavy metal was clearly um, my first love because while I have experience cooking first in my life, I never, ever considered it to be a potential career for myself ever. I mean, not until my late 20s when I fell into the industry by accident, but I wanted to be fucking Kirk Hammett. I mean, that was my like life goal. You know, I was obsessed with Metallica. I was obsessed with Dimebag Daryl. Um, those were like the two bands. I initially got, got into the music through the Beatles and then stuff like Green Day and Radiohead and that type of stuff. But when I discovered specifically Pantera and when I heard Mouth for War, I think my brain, my head almost exploded. I just could not believe music could be that heavy and that awesome. And there was so much groove. You know, I'm super into groove. Uh, so it was just, I mean, once I heard that, it, it was over for me. I obviously understand that metal and craft beer work very well together. Uh, how did you figure out that cooking and metal went together? Um, you know, for a long time, I didn't. I, I really didn't. And I didn't like, I never kind of put the two worlds together or never really thought about it uh, in that way. I really wanted, um, I, I really just kind of looked at cooking as a career field, like, you know, something I could build a future for myself. And it wasn't until later where like, they, you know, they just inevitably intersected. You know, I just, um, listen to metal all the time. And I was always the only guy in the kitchen that listened to metal, like as far as where I was working, you know, it's very common to find metalheads in the kitchen, but you know, in the early years of my career, I was the only guy listening to metal. So I was always the weird fucking weirdo, but it wasn't until I was running my first successful restaurant where I basically called all the shots and was, you know, putting on metal every day and i don't care what the fuck you say like this is what i want to listen to it wasn't until then that like the spark hit me to bring these two things together with like no real intention other than wanting to hang out in the scene and honestly just meet my heroes so my first successful restaurant which unfortunately closed uh, during covid but i had long since left many years Um, they are located on 22nd street between fifth and sixth Avenue, which is pretty much like almost in the middle of every, or very close to every major venue, whether it's Madison square garden or Irving Plaza or, uh, Gramercy theater, or, you know, um, Webster hall, like 
you know, it was all walking distance. PlayStation Theater, which is now defunct too, but these were all within walking distance um, venues. Uh, and one day, randomly, you know, all, on my Instagram, I followed all metal guys, and one of these guys was Mark Holcomb of Periphery. You know, they're mm-hmm. one of like my. They're no longer a new band, but at that time, they were like my favorite new band. Like, I got really into the first wave of Gent, and. Uh, I remember him commenting. I think it was he commented. I commented on his his stuff, and then one day he commented back, and I was like, <gasps> "Holy shit!" You know, like it, I, I had so long put all these metal musicians on a pedestal, and I was like, "Oh, cool!" You know, uh, wow. You know, his his publicist responded to me. You know, yeah, that's, yeah. that's kind of what I thought of it at the time, and I just sent a DM and I said, "Yo, next time you're in town." I would love to, you know, cater you guys on me. And that just kind of steamrolled. Like I would just kind of, and actually that periphery show that I catered, I dropped off like two, 300 bucks worth of sushi catering. Wow. Um, You know, if I had known you guys at that time, I probably would have done the exact same thing. But, uh, and, you know, also keep in mind next time you guys come to New York, that (laughs) offer still stands, although it will be different food. We'll talk about that later. But, uh, yeah, that just kind of steamrolled into me keeping track of all the other bands coming into town. And I just started offering catering, you know, just as like kind of like my token of appreciation. And typically I was rewarded with, uh, you know, a backstage pass and I got to meet the band and hang out. And sometimes, you know, I would say, hey, listen, come to the restaurant before your show if you have time. And some of them did. Um, or if they didn't come to the restaurant when they came on their press circuits, then they mm-hmm. will um, come to the restaurant when they have a, a bit more time after their day is done. Right. So that's yeah, that's kind of how it started. I just decided one day I'm going to start going to shows again. And uh, and and then I just got the idea to start catering bands. And that's how I kind of befriended everybody. It's a great way to do things. Uh, you, you know, we got to eat. And if we can eat something, you know delicious and free the, the, the musicians are going to like you <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah I, you know i didn't i didn't realize that you know, because i was so na- naive to how like the scene works and you know just just you know the general budgeting of you know a lot of a it's lot horrible. of our yeah a lot of our genre like people would I know I was shocked when I first found out. I just kind of assumed everybody was on fucking, you know, buses, <laughs> double-decker buses and all that, you know, which I've come to learn is not the case. But anyway, um, you know, that was just my way of, like, giving back to the scene and wanting to get to know my, you know, my heroes a little bit better, you know, so to speak. Yeah, and and it worked out for everybody. <laughs> it's, it's, it's amazing. I, I love it, and I think it's a great idea, and I would absolutely do the same thing. I do the same thing, but with beer. Uh, the... <laughs> <laughs> um, now, now, as you know, you were doing very well as a chef and cooking. Had you put being a musician a bit on the side, you know, has that dream of becoming Kirk Hammett have to take a step back because your cooking had taken such a step forward? Yes, yes. Um, well, to go back a little bit, I mentioned earlier that I had lived in Beijing, China. And while I was living there was when I kind of really started diving deep into guitar. I think I started playing guitar maybe six months before I moved to Beijing. And when I got there, I didn't have any friends or, mm-hmm. 
you know, that was the main catalyst for me really practicing a lot more was that I didn't have friends. So I would just be kind of stuck at home with my guitar uh, and a couple of Metallica tablature books. And I was just obsessed with those those books. And I, I can't play any of that stuff for the life of me now. <laughs> and uh, every time it got to the solos part, I get lazy and just well, and I, just, that's when skip, I realized let's skip we'll skip this let's song. skip let's stick to the riff you know <laughs> so i realized i actually want to be headfield which that was incredibly hard too in his pick technique but that's besides the point um my dream was to become a, a metal musician and i pursued it fully when i was living in beijing so um i'm actually credited with having one of if the um if not the first independent touring metal band in china like we kind of started this culture of carrying all our gear on our backs and going from town to town using the the trains because um train system in china is number one great and also super inexpensive so if you're willing to carry all your shit on your on your back you can get from town to town super cheap and we were too young to like rent a van it was also a bit dangerous to drive those far distances and there were wasn't smartphones like there are today so being these you know 17 18 19 year old kids we just went from town to town using trains um and we just kind of started the touring culture for independent bands after that uh but i kind of saw the writing on the wall i didn't have really have a future with with that kind of music in mainland china because you know of the of the communist party and they had you know they kind of they tolerate things to a certain point, but ultimately, if you're not, you know, if, if they don't want your thing to exist, it will get stamped the fuck out. You know what I mean? Um, so I left. I, I saw and also amongst a bunch of other things, you know, you know, almost dying in my own vomit from doing uh, heroin one night. That was kind of the catalyst for me. Yeah. I mean, some dark shit. Um, that was the catalyst for me to come back to the States. And when I came back to the States, I basically abandoned any idea of wanting to become a musician again i would always keep guitar in my life but i just had and i always tried to put together a little band on the side but i had no intention to really take it farther than writing music that's that's now now you guys are rocking lost becomes this is happening Uh, i think it's very interesting that that you have positioned yourself as the metal chef and now here is a huge springboard because you are Chef Brian Sow, and here is your band now. So, so you're you're not starting at the bottom anymore. Yeah, I mean, I'm definitely fortunate in that regard that I definitely have a leg up. There's no like, I have no problem with admitting that it, it is true. Like, I started Lost Becomes on a leg up, but I will say this: Lost Becomes started as just me wanting to like do a ripoff hate breed band. I just wanted to <laughs> kind of like do these caveman riffs and you know that were easy to play and just maybe open up for you know saint at saint vitus or something like that you know like that was that was as far as i wanted to take it initially and lost becomes started over two years ago and we have not played a show yet and that was by design because we started as just this fun thing this fun thing turned into like as we were writing songs and you know, the key to it is the other musicians in the band, right? And then, like, that special synergy and energy and creative energy that comes together when you combine your uh, creativity with other people. And then, you know, it draws from all this energy and you create something really different from what you may have done by yourself. 
you know, there, there are a lot of bands where there's like one member that um, takes things from A to Z. And when I've tried to do projects like that, I fucking hate my stuff. You know, like I just, <laughs> I, I just personally don't like my own material, you know, but <laughs> when I, when I was writing with these guys, I was like, oh man, this is like, this is pretty fun. And still like within my wheelhouse, I can pull off these riffs. And I think this music is half decent. So we just kept writing and writing before we knew it. We had a record's worth of material. Before we knew it, we went into the studio and recorded everything. And then before we knew it, COVID happened. <laughs> but that was a two-year period from like the first jam to recording the material. Um, and when COVID happened, it kinda, we kind of said to ourselves, like, well, we can do nothing and just wait or we can just utilize the tools that we have available to us and just put it out there. You know, even though we can't play a show, we will be able to play a show eventually. But why don't we just start put, laying down some groundwork now and we'll see where we go from there. So that's exactly what we did. You know, um, we, we, we partnered up with, you know, places like Metal Injection and Metal Sucks and Revolver to give them the exclusive on, um, you know, the music video releases and uh, we use DistroKid, you know, like um, that. that's how we've been putting out all our music. And we just put in a lot of elbow grease into producing the content. You know, all those music videos you see, all the content you see us put out. We do these introspective videos talking about, you know, the song releases and we do playthroughs. That's all in-house produced. Like we're well doing done. all that stuff from A to Z, basically A to Z ourselves. And being that... I'm in the scene and all the other members are, you know, they're, they're veterans of in the scene in their own right. We found a publicist. We know that bands use publicists. So let's get a, you know, let's get a press release out every time we put a single, that's all money we put in ourselves. And uh, here we are. And we plan, you know, we're having, we're putting out our next single May 11th. That isn't public knowledge. So Vox and Hops gets the uh, first exclusive on that. And, uh, yeah, we just plan to continue to put out singles. That's awesome. I, I'm an independent band. Cryptopsy has been independent for many years. We just inked a deal, but we've been independent since 2012. So I know how hard it is, how much works. And you guys don't look like an independent band. So hats off <laughs> to you guys. Thank you. Thank pushing, you. Pushing, pushing, pushing uh, Memory, which dropped last February. Killer yes. track. Thank you. Really, Appreciate really that, enjoyed man. it. I'm surprised you didn't put it out on, on Blacklight Media. Oh, well, what, why do you bring up Blacklight Media? <laughs> you know, the label ran by uh, Chris Santos, mm -hmm. where, you know, you used to work <laughs> mm -hmm. or did work with, with Beast in Essex in New York yes. City. It's, yes. his, it's his restaurant. He's got that label, which is a partnership with Brian Slagle and Metal Blade. So so I, I, I'm curious how, why it didn't come out there. Well, you know, I don't I don't know. Why didn't it come out there, Chris? Why? <laughs> why? <laughs> no. Seems uh, like a no-brainer to me. Uh, I mean, listen, uh, if if we could make that happen, I would absolutely love that. Um, I, I do my best to allow things to fall into place as necessary. So I will say that we've gotten some label interest, um, you know, and we're, we're, we're considering it. Um, but at the same, on the same note, we're not going to push for it too hard because... I think if things were meant to be, they will, you know, the answers will present themselves, right? So do we stay that independent band or do we, you know, try to pursue a, a label deal? We'll see. Um, but Chris is a friend. He was also my past employer. Someone I respect highly. One of the most success, successful chefs that I know by a 
big margin. Great guy, lifelong metalhead. Um, has gotten me into every Slayer show I've been to in my life, <laughs> which is amazing. Those are good you friends. Know. Yes. <laughs> and, uh, you know, he's introduced me to Slagle. Um, Slagle's also a great, great guy. But, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll see. We'll see. Uh, you know, Blacklight Media has also been making some moves. You know, they recently, they've been signing a lot of bands, one of which is, uh, you know, I'll shout them out now. We've kind of become friends through social media's Capra. And, and I remember Santos, you know, sending me Capra's stuff before it came out. You know, it was like, this is a band I'm thinking of signing. What do you think? And I was like, oh, shit, this band's really cool. Like, uh, I, I'm in, you know, like if you sign this band, I, I would be very happy. So Capra is a great band. Uh, shout out to Tyler. I've exchanged, a, you know, a few DMs with him here and there on Instagram. But yeah, we'll see what happens with uh, Blacklight Media. Very, very. You, do, you did your homework. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I did it. But uh... <laughs> hey, what's up, Fox and Hobsons? I just want to take a little moment about Cryptopsy's upcoming tours. That's right. I'm talking about the Scream of Perseverance tour and our headliner dates that coincide with that tour called As Summer Burns. The Scream of Perseverance tour is kicking off at the end of May and runs all the way until the end of June. We are supporting the mighty death to all. We are going all over the United States and we are hitting some of Canada. So excited to be honoring the legendary music of death alongside amazing musicians that performed on these albums. Even more stoked to be doing some headliner dates in some cities that I've actually never played in. If you are planning to come to any of these shows, you should definitely grab your tickets by going to voxandhops.com slash summer, and you will be able to grab all of your tickets there. That's voxandhops.com slash summer. Do it, people. Come hang out with me. Enjoy life, metal, and craft beer in your hometown. Come to a show. We're going to have a great time. Now, enough about all of that. Let's get back to the episode. Uh, let's talk about what's going on. Uh, Beast in Essex, you, you mentioned before we started recording that something new is going on. Um, a beauty in Essex. Beauty in Essex. Oh, I'm yeah, sorry. Be- yeah. All good. I did my homework and then I scratched it out. <laughs> <laughs> All good. <laughs> Happens to the best of us. Uh, yeah. Beauty in Essex. So I, I was uh, in between jobs, not in between jobs, but I had left uh, that previous restaurant that I mentioned about, Mira Sushi. I'd left that restaurant and was kind of freelancing for a while. And uh, I was doing a wedding for the owner of Lucky 13 Bar in Brooklyn, another great metal venue. And Jeff is a dear, dear friend. And he is very close friends with Chris Santos. And they uh, they were throwing a wedding. They asked me to uh, cater the wedding. And Chris Santos was going to cater the appetizers and like the first and second course. So that's kind of how I got introduced to his team. And lo and behold, a lot of them were metalheads. And I just kind of, uh, you know, um, we just got along right off the bat and it was great. And, uh, you know, not long after that, um, Chris hit me up and said he was looking for a chef to take over the head chef position at Beauty and Essex. And at that time, I never worked at a restaurant that big, that busy. I thought my restaurant was busy. I mean, his place, uh, my past restaurant was 1,500 square feet, 70 seats. Chris's restaurant is 10,000 square feet and 250 seats. Wow. So, I mean, just massive, you know, and they only open for dinner. 
and brunch on the weekends. My restaurant was open breakfast. Uh, I'm sorry, not breakfast for lunch and dinner. And we didn't do anywhere near the numbers of beauty and Essex of what they do in just one dinner service. I mean, it, it's unbelievable the numbers that they, and the amount of food that they crank out, but they crank out this quantity of food and they do it with amazing quality and care. And it's all delicious. You know, when I never dined at beauty and Essex uh, prior to that, so, I mean, sorry, Chris, no, no I, I mean this in the nicest way, but I just, I was like, man, you know, uh, big restaurants like that always suck. You know, that was just kind of my assumption that it would suck. Um, and obviously it didn't <laughs> because if that many people are going to eat there. Um, but, you know, I just, I, I was just a snobby asshole that just thought, oh, you have to go to like the, you know, the small, unique places where the chefs, you know, whatever. I went, I tasted the food and I was blown away and i just had to know how they do it at that volume with that much staff keep the consistency um and 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 i joined the team right away i was like i'm in i'll do it and honestly i walked in there just completely scared shitless pretending Mm -hmm. to you know acting tough we have acting tough but i was completely scared shitless like am i gonna am i gonna survive here you know, the staff speak Spanish 90% of the time. And my Spanish, my kitchen Spanish is okay. It definitely got much better after working there. But uh, yeah, it, just Beauty in Essex is is a really unique, awesome place. Chris really built something special there. So what's going on now in your life? Uh, so now um, I am opening up a gourmet sandwich shop in Williamsburg, Brooklyn. It is a ghost kitchen concept. So it is primarily delivery, but there will be a pickup window. And I am doing uh, gourmet sub sandwiches. So, uh, you know, we are going to have the classics, you know, you can get your ham and cheese, turkey and Swiss, things like that. But the star of the show at my sandwich shop will be my unique combinations, you know, things like Korean whole braised short rib, bone in, in the sandwich, kimchi slaw, Asian pear. You know, I have a German themed sandwich with pork chop and bratwurst and sauerkraut and spicy brown mustard and caramelized onions and sliced apples and, you know, big, robust, saucy sandwiches because I feel like the sandwich scene in New York has gotten complacent and we need, we need a, we need a sandwich renaissance here in new york city there's a lot of people doing good stuff but you know no one doing what i'm going to be doing like i said big robust saucy sandwiches uh that's due to open this summer very exciting um i just confirmed the location this past monday i just signed on the pr team and the uh, branding um, and graphics team today that all got locked in so hopefully in a couple months i will uh be open well, congrats to you. That's amazing. Yeah. Cheers to Thank that. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, cheers to that. <laughs> it's going to be called Mission Subs, and I'll tell you why it's called Mission. Please. So, you know, our mission is to bring awesome sandwiches to New York sandwich, uh, to New York City, some of the best sandwiches that you can get to New York City. But we also have a mission to just generally do good. So whether that's helping feed the arts, be it musicians coming into town, um, be it, you know, not just arts, but community, um, you know, helping out the local fire department with some catering, the police department, um, teachers unions. Uh, you know, we're planning to donate part of the proceeds to mental health awareness. We just want to, like, also kind of help, um, you know, help our community do good and in general do good. So 
We're also, you know, planning to pay our staff a higher wage, you know, and things like that. Things that are kind of like going, uh, well, that part is going a little, going a little against the traditional norms for, you know, the restaurant business model. But yeah, we just want to make dope sandwiches and do good. I love that. I love uh, Vox and Hops is all about spreading positivity. So I'm 100% behind that. I love it. I love it. Will there be craft beer at Mission Sandwiches? Not at this location because it will just be a ghost kitchen. So there's no dine-in. There's none of that. No real beverage. Um, But trust me, I have given it thought. And, uh, you know, I hope that with the success of this, we can eventually open a brick and mortar where we can offer beer and wine and, you know, all that, you know, all that good stuff. I love it. I love it. I love it. Uh, To make a a loss becomes brew or a mission sandwich brew, what beer would it be? A Chef Brian Sow brew. What beer would it be? I I know what style it's going to be already. But but what would it be? Let everyone know. Oh, man. Putting me on the spot. Yeah, I'm going to be torn between an easy drinking beer and uh, and, and a hyphen bison. You know, those are my always my go to. I think if it was going to be just a purely Chef Brian Sow beer, then I would go for the hyphen bison. But if it was going to be like some kind of exclusive, you know, uh, beer that was attached to the band and or the sandwich shop, I'll probably go with something like a Pilsner. You know, a little bit easier drinking because, you know, you go to a show, you're going to be there for a few hours. You're going to be socializing. So uh, I would want you to have more than one type of thing. You know, I I want you to, you know, be enjoying your time with this beer, you know, and by the time you leave, you've had four or five of them. (laughs) (laughs) And and also our sandwiches are huge. Um, So you're not going to be able to fit much into your stomach after a couple (laughs) of hyphen bisons. You know, you're going to need something, you know, relatively light drinking. Awesome. Awesome. Uh, I'm wondering, you're you're very busy. Uh, How do you find the balance in life? How do you find the balance to do it all? I don't. (laughs) You have to. Man, I've had this conversation recently with a few people and you just have to really pick and choose your battles and then also make sure you keep supportive people around you. And uh, I've I've made a really uh, strong effort to do that, um, to make sure that the people I surround myself with are going to support me in some way. And it's selfish. It is very selfish. Like, my wife is extremely like gives me an extremely long leash, you know, that allows me to stay out late at, late at night and go to these shows. But not only these shows, but, you know, she knows that a big part of what I do is a lot of socializing. You know, um, I do content creation, you know, between the web series and my social medias. And, you know, I, I just upped my YouTube videos to two a week now. Um, and it's because not because I have more time, but because I got better at the editing and I got, you know, I, I acquired the right equipment and I know what I want. So a lot of the time has been cut down. So now I can squeeze too. Um, you know, if, if you want to be an entrepreneur and if you want to do a lot of things, you have to make sacrifices. It just, it's just that simple. And if you're looking to take those, you know, vacations and have your weekends off and, you know, get off of work at, you know, six on the dot, then, you know, hustle, then the hustle is not for you. It's, uh, I, I can't sugarcoat it because that's just, 
the simple truth. If you want to do cool things, you have to put the time into it. So um, I just, like I said, I just have to pick and choose my battles. And there are times I have to say no to things, you know, and I've been doing that more and more lately because I just, if I, if I take on any more, it's going to start to sacrifice my time with my family, which in honesty, and this is the hard, hardcore, honest truth. I don't give my family as much time as I would like to personally, you know, but again, I have a really supportive home life that allows me to do those things, you know, so really think about who you keep in your life. Like, um, you know, uh, I hope this doesn't sound as terrible as it's about to sound, but you know, I keep my parents at an arm's length because if it was up to them, I'd be helping them with every single damn thing around the house. And, uh, you know, I see them regularly, but, uh, you know, they can also be a little bit of Debbie Downers and not really understand what I'm doing. And if I'm trying to seek their approval for everything, then I wouldn't be where I am. I am with my career because they never wanted me to become a chef. When I was first trying to become a chef, they were kind of like disappointed. You, you know, will be Kirk Hammett. Just keep going. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and, you know, after I did the Food Network show and beat Bobby Flay, then all of a sudden my parents are going around there to tell all their friends, like, oh, my, my, my son's a chef and he beat Bobby Flay. And, you know, yeah, you know, if if I if I listen to them and, and this is not just to my parents, but, you know, for anyone who's listening to this, if uh if, if you have something or someone in your life holding you back, you have to really think like leverage and think about, well, what do you ultimately want more? And, and you have to you have to pick one, you know, like you don't have to cut people out of your life. But who you surround yourself with is going to be a big di- dictator of uh, what you're going to be able to accomplish. That's true. That's very true. That's where COVID came in in, in a positive way. To, 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 you know, cause we're, we have to stay away from people. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, very true. And also I think, uh, you know, as terrible as COVID was, it also forced people to reset and reevaluate a lot of things and kind of pay attention to what really matters to them as an individual. And I hope that a lot of people have taken this opportunity to reevaluate that and come out of this better yeah yeah absolutely absolutely uh let's wrap this up classic vox and hops wrap-up question uh, it probably never happens to you very often you mentioned before we start recording that you're, you're drinking less now i think that you're do- drinking less because you're goddamn busy uh, <laughs> and you can't afford where we're going with this question uh what is your hangover cure oh my hangover cure oh geez uh i am very good about staying hydrated uh i make sure to drink a gallon of water a day um, I have this container that is uh, basically a quart and a half. Four quarts equals a gallon. If I drink three of those, that's a little over a gallon. So I find that uh, it causes me to pee a lot. But oh, yeah. uh, <laughs> but I find that if I'm uh, on nights that I'm drinking a lot, if I just stay very hydrated, uh, especially right before I sleep, just making sure like I get a good amount of water in me, even if that means I have to wake up in the middle of the night. Um, I find my hangovers are manageable. Uh, and then really strong black coffee in the morning. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Brian, thank you so, so much for taking the time, having a chat with me about your life, music, and craft beer. I, I truly, truly appreciate it. Uh, thank you, you for having busy, me. Busy, busy, successful man, and I love having conversations with people like that. Appreciate you, man. Thank you again for having me. 
Uh, I am very much looking forward to visiting Montreal in the near future, but I am more looking forward to having you and the band back in New York playing shows when things open back up and catering you guys a shit ton of sandwiches, you and your team. So I would love that. I got you guys. Thank you, Brian, so much. Thank you. Yes, thank you. Hey, thank you all so, so much for listening right to the end. You know that I love and appreciate that. I had such a killer time hanging out with Brian. I know that when I come through New York or if he's up here in Montreal anytime soon, we're going to hook up. We're going to eat some great food. We're going to drink some beer and we're going to have a great time. Mad respect to Brian. Can't wait to try out that mission subs. It sounds so cool. Uh, Everything he touches turns to gold. So I know that it's going to be amazing. Super stoked. I got to connect with Brian and I'm very, 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 very stoked that I got to play that Lost Becomes track in the intro of this episode. If you enjoyed this Vox and Hops episode, you should sign up to the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast's mailing list. You could do that on my website, voxandhops.com. That's V-O-X-A-N-T-H-O-P-S.com. And when you do that, you shall receive one email a week containing all of the details of everything that has happened throughout the past week in the world of the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast, including all the details for any episodes which I have dropped throughout the past week. If I have been a guest on someone else's podcast, uh, any cool information about new projects that I have in the works, as well as the updated links for any live interview Thirsty Thursday virtual hangs, and the updated links to the Brutal Awakenings playlists, which are available on both Spotify and Apple Music, and are curated by my man, Jerry Monk, the metal architect himself. Please do me a favor, sign up to the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast mailing list, because I don't want you to miss a single thing. The Vox and Hops Metal Podcast is brought to you by Sound Talent Media. I have two more episodes coming at you this week, one on Thursday and another on Friday. But until then, remember to enjoy life, metal, and craft beer. Cheers, Vox and Hops hits. It is now 2024, and the choice is up to you. Do you listen to good podcasts, or do you listen to bad ones? Well, we've got a suggestion for you. How about you listen to a good podcast for the first time in your miserable life? I can think of one. Overnight Drive. Going strong. 11 years now. The podcast about nothing. Your favorite podcast's favorite podcast. Do you enjoy nothing? (laughs) So do we. Why don't you come over and check it out and stop listening to other podcasts. Thank you.